This episode of Sleepy is proudly sponsored by ButcherBox. If you've listened to Sleepy for a while, you know that I love good food, eating well and treating my body right so that I can take on my days. Well, ButcherBox helps you do exactly that. They deliver super high quality, 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, crate-free pork, and wild-caught seafood right to your door. It's humanely raised, no antibiotics or added hormones. They have a huge variety to choose from. They are excellent deals. They've got recipes and guides and tips included, and there's free shipping, always. Eating well is a huge factor in getting a good night's sleep, as is sometimes saving the trip to the grocery store and taking some stress out of your daily schedule. I have been loving these deliveries for those reasons. Been cooking up their uh, steak tips with eggs in the morning with butter and scallions and soy sauce. And I also made a delicious brine chicken roast with lemon parsley gravy. So good. The prices for this kind of quality and convenience is really impressive. Uh, yeah, ButcherBox has made me very happy. So sign up at butcherbox.com sleepy and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com sleepy and use code sleepy to choose your free for a year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Butcherbox.com sleepy. Eat well, sleep well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, and you're listening to Sleepy. Podcast where I read old books to help you get to sleep, and a proud member of the Airwave Podcast Network. I have got a wonderful, snoozy bedtime story for you tonight. But before we get to tonight's reading, 
I just want to thank all of our patrons on Patreon.com. L. Hollander, Olivia Jones, and Christina Dahman. Thank you all so, so much for donating and being a part of making the Sleepy Podcast. And for anyone who doesn't know, all of these names that I just read are brand new supporters of Sleepy on Patreon.com, which is a wonderful site where you can go and support creators of the work that you like. So if the Sleepy Podcast has helped you get a better night's rest and maybe as part of your nightly routine, then just consider going to patreon.com slash sleepy radio and donating even a dollar a month. It goes a really long way. At $5 a month, you get cool perks, um, like extra poetry readings every month that are not on the regular podcast feed, but no matter how much you donate, I will read your name in the opening credits of the next show after you do. So, if you would like to directly be a part of making this show, go to patreon.com slash sleepy radio. Thank you. And as always, the music you're hearing is by my good friend James Lepkowski, and the cover art is by Gracie Kana. Well, it is a brand new year. I know this past year has been Definitely trying for a lot of people, Um, but I do hope that this show has helped you get some sleep despite whatever crazy stuff might be going on in your life. I personally know that this past year was objectively a doozy on paper, Um, but still, for a lot of reasons, it was, I think, the best year of my life I think it's because I got through a lot of those things big stuff that I've been putting off for many years and I'm incredibly grateful for all the people in my life who helped me get through all that so if you're listening and you know that you are one of those people thank you and to you all listening you really helped me too and I'm so grateful that you are on the other end of this microphone listening to these bedtime stories it's become such a wonderfully strange part of my life over the last few years to make this show and it really is a constant that I can rely on and makes me feel like I'm making progress every week by continuing to do these stories So, I'm really grateful for you, if you're listening, and I really hope that this next year full of new stories is going to continue to help you drift off into a deep slumber, no matter what the world throws at you. Okay, that's enough of me yapping. Tonight, I'm going to be reposting a very favorite oldie but goodie and that is Snow White as told by the Brothers Grimm and now is the time for you to fluff up your pillow just how you like it feel yourself melt into your bed get real 
comfortable. Close your eyes and let me read to you. One winter's day, when the snowflakes were falling like feathers, a queen sat sewing at her window, which had a frame of the blackest ebony. She opened the window to look up at the sky, and as she did, she pricked her finger, and three drops of blood fell into the snow on the windowsill. The red and the white looked so beautiful together. Then she said to herself, I wish I had a child as white as snow, as red as blood, and as black as the wood in the window frame. As soon afterwards she had a little daughter, and she was as white as snow, and as red as blood, and as black as ebony, so they called her Little Snow White. As soon as the baby was born, the queen died. A year later, the king married another wife. She was a beautiful woman, but she was proud and arrogant, and she couldn't bear to think that anyone was more beautiful than she was. She had a magic mirror, and every morning she used to stand in front of it and gaze at her reflection and say, Mirror, mirror, on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? And the mirror would reply, Your Majesty, you are the fairest of all. She was satisfied then, because she knew that the mirror could only tell the truth. But meanwhile, Snow White was growing up. When she was seven years old, she was as lovely as a spring day and even more beautiful, in fact, than the queen. So one day, when the queen asked her mirror, 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 on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? The mirror answered, Your majesty, you are still lovely, it's true, but Snow White is a thousand times fairer than you. Immediately the queen took fright, Envy churned in her bowels, and her flawless complexion took on a sickly yellow-green. From that moment on, she only had to look at Snow White to feel her heart tightening with malice. Her envy and pride grew strong like a weed in her soul, and she felt no peace by day or by night. Finally, she called one of the king's huntsmen and said to him, Take that child deep into the woods. I never want to set eyes on her again. Make sure she's dead and bring me her lungs and liver as proof. The huntsman did as ordered. When he had taken Snow White far into the heart of the forest, he took out his knife and was about to thrust it into her innocent heart when she began to cry, Oh, please, dear huntsman, spare my life. I'll run away into the wild woods and never come home again, I promise. 
She was so beautiful that the huntsman took pity on her and said, You poor child, go on then, run away. The wild beasts will eat her soon in any case, he thought, but knowing that he wouldn't have to kill her was like feeling a heavy weight lift from his heart. Just then, a young boar came running through the bushes. The huntsman killed it and cut out its lungs and liver and took them back to the queen as proof of Snow White's death. The cook was ordered to season them well, dredge them in flour and fry them, and the wicked queen ate them all up. And that, she thought, was the end of Snow White. But meanwhile, Snow White was alone in the great forest with no idea what to do or where to go. She looked all around, but nothing she could see among the leaves and the bushes was any help. She was frightened, and she began to run, ignoring the sharp stones and brambles and small animals that leaped at her. She ran and ran, And just as the light was fading and the evening was near, she saw a little cottage. She knocked, but no one was home, so she went inside, hoping to rest. Everything in the house was small, but very neat and clean. There was a pot of stew beside the fire and a little table covered with a snowy white tablecloth on which stood seven little bowls with a slice of bread beside each one and seven little knives and forks and spoons and seven little mugs. Upstairs there were seven little beds all standing in a row all neatly made with snowy white linen and a little table beside each bed with a little glass and a little toothbrush. Snow White was very hungry and thirsty, so she ate some stew from the pot and took a bite of each slice of bread and a sip of wine from each mug. And then she realized how tired she was, so she lay down on one of the beds, but it was too big, and she tried another, but it was too short. But the seventh one was just right. So she said her prayers and lay down and closed her eyes and was asleep in a moment. Presently, when it was dark, the owners of the cottage came home. There were seven dwarves, and they earned their living by mining their precious ore under the mountains. They came in and lit their lanterns, and they saw that things were not as they had left them. Someone's been sitting in my chair. Someone's been eating from my bowl. There's a bite out of my bread. Look. The ladle's been used. Someone's eaten some stew. And they've used my knife. And they've used my fork. And they've drunk from my mug. They looked at each other with wide eyes. Then they all looked up at the ceiling. They all tiptoed up the stairs 
and they all looked at their beds and whispered, Someone has tried my bed. And mine. And mine. And mine. And mine. And mine. Oh, look. The seventh dwarf had found Snow White asleep. They all tiptoed up and looked at her in wonder. The lantern light shone over her face on the snowy white pillow. Good heavens, what a beautiful child. Who can she be? We can't wake her up, she's fast asleep. What a lovely face. I wonder where she came from. It's a mystery, brothers, a deep mystery. Come back downstairs. We must discuss what to do. They tiptoed back downstairs and sat around the table. She looks exhausted, poor little thing. Better not wake her up. The morning will be soon enough for that. Maybe she's escaping from a witch. Fool, there's no such thing as witches. I think she's an angel. And so she might be. But she's in my bed. And where am I going to sleep? The other six agreed to let the seventh one share their beds. An hour each throughout the night. And so they went to sleep. When Snow White woke up in the morning. And found the seven dwarves out looking at her. They'd woken up and got dressed already. She was alarmed. Don't be frightened, miss. We're friendly enough. Not pretty, maybe. But we won't do you no harm. That's a promise. You're safe here. What's your name, my dear? I'm called Snow White, she said. They asked where she came from how she found her way to their cottage and so on, and she told them how her stepmother had tried to kill her, and how the huntsman had spared her life, and how she run in a panic through the bushes and brambles till she found their cottage. The dwarves withdrew to the corner of the room and whispered together, and then came back and said, If you'll keep house for us, sweep and clean, you know, all that, and cook. Don't forget cooking. Yes, and cook. And make the beds. And wash the linen. And sew and knit and darn our socks. Then you can stay with us, my dear. And you shall have everything you want. Oh, I'll do that with all my heart, said Snow White. So they agreed on that. And Snow White began to keep house for them. Every morning they tramped off to the mountain to dig for gold and copper and silver. And when they came back in the evening, their dinner was ready for them. And the cottage was neat and clean, and everything was in order. During the day, of course, Snow White was all alone. And the doors warned her, Be careful. That stepmother of yours will be looking for you when she finds out you're alive. Don't let anyone in. 
Once the queen had eaten the liver and lungs that she thought were Snow White's, she wasn't afraid to look in her magic mirror and say, Mirror, mirror, on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? But she got a terrible shock when the mirror answered, Your Majesty, you are still lovely, it's true, but far, far away in the forest so deep, where she lives with the dwarves since they found her asleep, Snow White is a thousand times fairer than you. The queen recoiled with horror, for she knew the mirror couldn't lie, and she realized that the huntsman must have deceived her. Snow White was still alive. All her thoughts circled around one question. How could she kill Snow White? If she, the queen, wasn't the most beautiful woman in the whole country, she knew her envy would torment her day and night. At last, she thought of a plan. She made up her face carefully and disguised herself as an old peddler, so skillfully that she knew no one would recognize her. She made her way to the house of the seven dwarves, and when they were at work down under the mountain, she knocked on the door. Snow White was making the beds. She heard the knock and opened an upstairs window. Good day, she called down. What are you selling? Fine laces and pretty ribbons, the queen called up. Would you like to see what I have, my dear? Here's a lovely one, look. She pulled out a lace made of braided silk. Snow White thought it was very pretty indeed, and surely this old woman had an honest face. It must be safe to let her in. She ran down and unbolted the door and looked at the lace. Would you like to try it, said the peddler woman. Dear me, child, you need looking after. Come here, sweetie. Let me do up your bodice with this pretty lace. Snow White stood there not suspecting a thing, while the old woman threaded the lace through and through her bodice and then pulled and pulled and pulled so tight that Snow White couldn't breathe. The poor girl's eyes fluttered and her lips moved, and then she fell down senseless. You're not so beautiful, now you're dead, muttered the old woman and hurried away. Soon afterwards, the dwarves came home because the day was ending. When they saw Snow White lying there not breathing, they were terrified. They picked her up and then realized what was causing the trouble and quickly they cut through the lace so she could breathe. Little by little she came back to life and told them what had happened. Well, you know who that peddler woman was, don't you? It was the wicked queen. Couldn't have been anyone else. Don't let her in again, 
whatever you do. Take care, Snow White. Oh, Duke, take care. Remember now, be on your guard. Don't let anyone in. Meanwhile, the queen was hurrying home. As soon as she was safe in her boudoir, she asked the mirror, 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 on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? And the mirror answered, Your majesty, you are still lovely, it's true, but they cut through the lace with a sharp little knife, and they brought their snow white back to life, and she's still a thousand times lovelier than you. When the queen heard that, her heart gave a sickening lurch and squeezed her blood so hard she thought her eyes would burst. Still alive, still alive. We'll see about that, she said. She won't be alive for long, I promise. The queen understood the art of witchcraft. Then she crushed some rare herbs while saying a spell and then dipped a pretty comb into the herb juice. It was a deadly poison. With the aid of a little more magic, she changed her appearance entirely so she didn't look at all like the previous old woman and set off for the dwarf's cottage. She knocked on the door and called out, pretty knickknacks for sale, combs and pins and mirrors, pretty trinkets for pretty girls. Snow White looked out of the upstairs window and answered, I can't let you in. I'm not allowed. You better go away. That's all right, sweetheart, said the old woman. I won't step over the threshold. I'm sure no one would mind if you took a look, though. What about this lovely comb here? Look. It was very pretty and Snow White thought it would do no harm just to look. She ran down and opened the door. Oh, such lovely hair, said the old woman, so black and so rich and shiny. But oh, a terrible tangle. When did you last brush it properly, sweetheart? Don't they look after you here? She was running her fingers through Snow White's hair as she spoke. Let me just tease out a tangle or two with this pretty comb. You like it, don't you? I can see. Come here, darling. Snow White obediently bent her head, and the old woman dug the comb into her scalp so viciously the poor girl fell straight down without even a cry. That's done for you, Missy. Let's see how lovely you are when you start to rot, said the queen, and she hurried away before the dwarfs came home. Luckily, it was almost evening, and not long after the wicked queen left Snow White lying there, the dwarfs came home and found her. Snow White, what's happened? Is she breathing? That wicked queen again. What's that stuck in her hair? Pull it out quick. 
mind, it'll be poison. Careful, careful. They wrapped a handkerchief around the comb and pulled it delicately out. And almost at once, Snow White sighed and opened her eyes. Oh, dwarves, I'm so stupid. She didn't look at all like she did before, and I thought it would be all right. They told her it would only be all right if she kept her wits about her and did as they told her. She mustn't open the door for anyone. The queen hurried back and threw off her disguise before standing in front of the magic mirror. She said, Mirror, mirror, on the wall, who in this land is fairest of all? The mirror answered, Your Majesty, you are still lovely, it's true. But as soon as you'd gone, the good dwarves arrived home, and with care and with caution, they took out the comb. And Snow White is alive and far lovelier than you. That made the queen stagger and clutch at the wall. The blood drained out of her face, leaving it a dirty white with patches of yellow and green. She drew herself up to her full height, and sparks flew out of her eyes. Snow White shall die, she cried. She went into her most private room and locked the door behind her. No one was allowed in there, not even the servants. Then with the help of a book of spells and several little dark bottles, she set about making a poisoned apple. It was white on one side and rosy red on the other. Anyone who saw it would want to take a bite. But if they did, even just the tiniest nibble, they would fall down dead at once. Then the queen disguised herself a third time, put the apple in her pocket, and set off for the dwarf's cottage. She knocked on the door, and Snow White looked out of the window. I can't let anyone in, she said. I'm not allowed. That's all right, my dear, said the queen, who looked like an old peasant. I just wondered if you like an apple. I've had such a crop this year, I don't know what to do with them all. No, I'm not supposed to take anything, said Snow White. Oh, what a pity, said the old woman. They taste so good, too. Look, I'll take a bite, just in case you're worried. She had made the apple so cunningly that only the red half was poisoned. Of course, she took a bite from the white half and then held it out to Snow White. It looked so delicious that the poor girl couldn't resist. She reached out through the window, took the apple, and bit deeply into the red part. And she'd hardly bitten off a piece when she fell to the floor, dead. The wicked queen leaned in and saw her lying on the floor, and she laughed with a loud laugh. White as snow, red as blood, 
black as ebony, and now dead as a doornail. Those dwarves won't wake you up this time. When she got up through her boudoir, she asked the mirror, mirror, mirror on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? And the mirror answered, Your Majesty, you are the fairest of all. She sighed a deep and happy sigh of satisfaction. If an envious heart can be at rest, hers was then. When the dwarves came home that evening, they found Snow White on the floor, stark and still. She wasn't breathing. Her eyes were closed. She wasn't moving at all. She was dead. They looked around for whatever might have killed her and found nothing. They unfastened her laces in case she couldn't breathe. They looked through her hair for a poison comb. They warmed her by the fire. They put a drop of brandy on her lips. They laid her on a bed and they set her up in a chair. But nothing helped. Then it struck home to them that she must really be dead. And they laid her out gently on a bier and sat beside her, weeping for three days. They'd intended to bury her, but she still looked so fresh and beautiful, just as if she was only sleeping, that they couldn't bring themselves to put her under the black earth. So, they had a glass coffin made, and laid her inside. With letters of gold they wrote, Princess Snow White on it, and they carried it up to a mountaintop. From then on, one of the dwarves stayed beside her all the time. They took in turns to watch over her, and the birds came and mourned for her as well. First an owl, then a raven, and finally a dove. And so things remained for a long, long time. The body of Snow White did not decay, for she still looked as white as snow, as red as blood, and as black as ebony. One day a prince happened to be hunting in the forest and came to the dwarf's house and asked for shelter for the night. Next morning he saw the sunlight glitter on the mountaintop and went to see what was there. He found the glass coffin. He read the golden inscription, and he saw the body of Snow White. He said to the dwarves, Let me take the coffin away with me. I'll pay you as much as you want. We don't want money, they said. We wouldn't sell that coffin for all the money in the world. Then please give it to me, he begged. I've fallen in love with Princess Snow White, and I can't live without being able to see her. I'll treat her with all the honor and respect I'd feel for a living princess. The doors went away a little and spoke together quietly. 
Then they came back and said they'd taken pity on him and they were sure he'd treat their dear Snow White properly so he could take her back to his kingdom. The prince thanked them and told his servants to pick up the coffin with great care and carry it along with him. But as they were going down the mountainside, one of the servants tripped and stumbled and shook the coffin and that dislodged a piece of apple from Snow White's throat for she had never quite swallowed it. And slowly she woke up and then she pushed open the lid of the coffin and sat up fully alive once more. Dear God, where am I, she said. The prince said joyfully, You're with me. He told her everything that had happened and then said, I love you more than anything else in the world. Come with me to my father's castle and become my wife. Snow White loved him at once and their wedding was arranged with great splendor and magnificence. Among the guests invited to the ceremony was Snow White's wicked stepmother. After putting on the most beautiful of her dresses, she stood in front of the magic mirror and said, Mirror, mirror, on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? And the mirror answered, Your Majesty, you are still lovely, it's true, but the young queen's a thousand times fairer than you. The queen gasped with horror. She was so frightened, so terrified that she didn't know what to do. She didn't want to go to the wedding, and she didn't want to stay away, and yet she felt she had to go and see the young queen. So in the end, she went. And when she saw Snow White, she recognized her at once and was struck with horror. She could only stand there trembling. But a pair of iron shoes had already been placed in the fire. When they were red hot, they were brought out with tongs and placed on the floor. And the wicked queen was made to step into them and dance till she fell down dead. One winter's day, when the snowflakes were falling like feathers, a queen sat sewing at her window, which had a frame of the blackest ebony. She opened the window to look up at the sky, and as she did, she pricked her finger and three drops of blood fell into the snow on the windowsill. The red and the white looked so beautiful together that she said to herself, I wish I had a child as white as snow, as red as blood, and as black as the wood in the window frame. As soon afterwards she had a little daughter, and she was as white as snow, and as red as blood, and as black as ebony. So they called her Little Snow White. As soon as the baby was born, the queen died. 
A year later, the king married another wife. She was a beautiful woman, but she was proud and arrogant, and she couldn't bear to think that anyone was more beautiful than she was. She had a magic mirror, and every morning she used to stand in front of it and gaze at her reflection and say, Mirror, mirror, on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? And the mirror would reply, Your Majesty, you are the fairest of all. She was satisfied then, because she knew that the mirror could only tell the truth. But meanwhile, Snow White was growing up. When she was seven years old, she was as lovely as a spring day and even more beautiful, in fact, than the queen. So one day, when the queen asked her mirror, 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 on the wall, Who in this land is the fairest of all? The mirror answered, Your majesty, you are still lovely, it's true. But Snow White, is a thousand times fairer than you. Immediately the queen took fright. Envy churned in her bowels and her flawless complexion took on a sickly yellow green. From that moment on, she only had to look at Snow White to feel her heart tightening with malice. Her envy and pride grew strong like a weed in her soul and she felt no peace by day or by night. Finally, she called one of the king's huntsmen and said to him, Take that child deep into the woods. I never want to set eyes on her again. Make sure she's dead, and bring me her lungs and liver as proof. The huntsman did as ordered. When he had taken Snow White, Far into the heart of the forest, he took out his knife and was about to thrust it into her innocent heart when she began to cry, Oh, please, dear huntsman, spare my life. I'll run away into the wild woods and never come home again, I promise. She was so beautiful that the huntsman took pity on her and said, You poor child, go on then, run away. The wild beasts will eat her soon in any case, he thought, but knowing that he wouldn't have to kill her was like feeling a heavy weight lift from his heart. Just then, a young boar came running through the bushes. The huntsman killed it and cut out its lungs and liver and took them back to the queen as proof of Snow White's death. The cook was ordered to season them well, dredge them in flour and fry them, and the wicked queen ate them all up. And that, she thought, was the end of Snow White. But meanwhile, Snow White was alone in the great forest with no idea what to do or where to go. She looked all around, but nothing she could see among the leaves and the bushes was any help. She was frightened, and she began to run, ignoring the sharp stones and brambles and small animals that leaped at her. 
She ran and ran, and just as the light was fading and the evening was near, she saw a little cottage. She knocked, but no one was home, so she went inside, hoping to rest. Everything in the house was small, but very neat and clean. There was a pot of stew beside the fire, and a little table covered with a snowy white tablecloth on which stood seven little bowls with a slice of bread beside each one and seven little knives and forks and spoons and seven little mugs. Upstairs there were seven little beds all standing in a row all neatly made with snowy white linen and a little table beside each bed with a little glass and a little toothbrush. Snow White was very hungry and thirsty, so she ate some stew from the pot and took a bite of each slice of bread and a sip of wine from each mug. And then she realized how tired she was, so she lay down on one of the beds, but it was too big, and she tried another, but it was too short. But the seventh one was just right. So she said her prayers and lay down and closed her eyes and was asleep in a moment. Presently, when it was dark, the owners of the cottage came home. There were seven dwarves, and they earned their living by mining their precious ore under the mountains. They came in and lit their lanterns and they saw that things were not as they had left them. Someone's been sitting in my chair. Someone's been eating from my bowl. There's a bite out of my bread. Look. The ladle's been used. Someone's eaten some stew. And they've used my knife. And they've used my fork. And they've drunk from my mug. They looked at each other with wide eyes. Then they all looked up at the ceiling. And they all tiptoed up the stairs. And they all looked at their beds and whispered, Someone's tried my bed. And mine. And mine. And mine. And mine. And mine. Oh, look. The seventh dwarf had found Snow White asleep. They all tiptoed up and looked at her in wonder. The lantern light shone over her face on the snowy white pillow. Good heavens, what a beautiful child. Who can she be? We can't wake her up, she's fast asleep. What a lovely face. I wonder where she came from. It's a mystery, brothers, a deep mystery. Come back downstairs. We must discuss what to do. They tiptoed back downstairs and sat around the table. She looks exhausted, poor little thing. Better not wake her up. The morning will be soon enough for that. Maybe she's escaping from a witch. Fool, there's no such thing as witches. 
I think she's an angel. And so she might be. But she's in my bed. And where am I going to sleep? The other six agreed to let the seventh one share their beds. An hour each throughout the night. And so they went to sleep. When Snow White woke up in the morning. And found the seven dwarves out looking at her. They'd woken up and got dressed already. She was alarmed. Don't be frightened, miss. We're friendly enough. Not pretty, maybe. But we won't do you no harm. That's a promise. You're safe here. What's your name, my dear? I'm called Snow White, she said. They asked where she came from how she found her way to their cottage and so on and she told them how her stepmother had tried to kill her and how the huntsman had spared her life and how she run in a panic through the bushes and brambles till she found their cottage. The dwarves withdrew to the corner of the room and whispered together and then came back and said if you'll keep house for us sweep and clean you know all that and cook. Don't forget cooking. Yes, and cook. And make the beds. And wash the linen. And sew and knit and darn our socks. Then you can stay with us, my dear. And you shall have everything you want. Oh, I'll do that with all my heart, said Snow White. So they agreed on that. And Snow White began to keep house for them. Every morning they tramped off to the mountain to dig for gold and copper and silver. And when they came back in the evening, their dinner was ready for them. And the cottage was neat and clean and everything was in order. During the day, of course, Snow White was all alone. And the doors warned her, Be careful. That stepmother of yours will be looking for you when she finds out you're alive. Don't let anyone in. Once the queen had eaten the liver and lungs that she thought were Snow White's, she wasn't afraid to look in her magic mirror and say, Mirror, mirror, on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? But she got a terrible shock. When the mirror answered, Your Majesty, you are still lovely, it's true, but far, far away in the forest so deep, where she lives with the dwarves since they found her asleep, Snow White is a thousand times fairer than you. The queen recoiled with horror, for she knew the mirror couldn't lie, and she realized that the huntsman must have deceived her. Snow White was still alive. All her thoughts circled around one question. How could she kill Snow White? If she, the queen, wasn't the most beautiful woman in the whole country, she knew her envy would torment her day and night. At last, she thought of a plan. 
She made up her face carefully and disguised herself as an old peddler, so skillfully that she knew no one would recognize her. She made her way to the house of the seven dwarves, and when they were at work down under the mountain, she knocked on the door. Snow White was making the beds. She heard the knock and opened an upstairs window. Good day, she called down. What are you selling? Fine laces and pretty ribbons, the queen called up. Would you like to see what I have, my dear? Here's a lovely one, look. She pulled out a lace made of braided silk. Snow White thought it was very pretty indeed, and surely this old woman had an honest face. It must be safe to let her in. She ran down and unbolted the door and looked at the lace. Would you like to try it? said the peddler woman. Dear me, child, you need looking after. Come here, sweetie. Let me do up your bodice with this pretty lace. Snow White stood there not suspecting a thing while the old woman threaded the lace through and through her bodice and then pulled and pulled and pulled so tight that Snow White couldn't breathe. The poor girl's eyes fluttered and her lips moved and then she fell down senseless. You're not so beautiful, now you're dead, muttered the old woman and hurried away. Soon afterwards, the dwarves came home because the day was ending. When they saw Snow White lying there not breathing, they were terrified. They picked her up and then realized what was causing the trouble and quickly they cut through the lace so she could breathe. Little by little, she came back to life and told them what had happened. Well, you know who that peddler woman was, don't you? It was the wicked queen. Couldn't have been anyone else. Don't let her in again, whatever you do. Take care, Snow White. Oh, Duke, take care. Remember now, be on your guard. Don't let anyone in. Meanwhile, the queen was hurrying home. As soon as she was safe in her boudoir, she asked the mirror, 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 on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? And the mirror answered, Your majesty, you are still lovely, it's true, but they cut through the lace with a sharp little knife and they brought their Snow White back to life, and she's still a thousand times lovelier than you. When the queen heard that, her heart gave a sickening lurch and squeezed her blood so hard she thought her eyes would burst. Still alive, still alive. We'll see about that, she said. She won't be alive for long, I promise. The queen understood the art of witchcraft 
Then she crushed some rare herbs while saying a spell and then dipped a pretty comb into the herb juice. It was a deadly poison. With the aid of a little more magic, she changed her appearance entirely so she didn't look at all like the previous old woman and set off for the dwarf's cottage. She knocked on the door and called out, pretty knickknacks for sale, combs and pins and mirrors, pretty trinkets for pretty girls. Snow White looked out of the upstairs window and answered, I can't let you in, I'm not allowed, you better go away. That's all right, sweetheart, said the old woman, I won't step over the threshold. I'm sure no one would mind if you took a look, though. What about this lovely comb here? Look. It was very pretty, and Snow White thought it would do no harm just to look. She ran down and opened the door. Oh, such lovely hair, said the old woman. So black and so rich and shiny. But oh, a terrible tangle. When did you last brush it properly, sweetheart? Don't they look after you here? She was running her fingers through Snow White's hair as she spoke. Let me just tease out a tangle or two with this pretty comb. You like it, don't you? I can see. Come here, darling. Snow White obediently bent her head and the old woman dug the comb into her scalp so viciously the poor girl fell straight down without even a cry. That's done for you, Missy. Let's see how lovely you are when you start to rot, said the queen, and she hurried away before the dwarfs came home. Luckily, it was almost evening, and not long after the wicked queen left Snow White lying there, the dwarves came home and found her. Snow White, what's happened? Is she breathing? That wicked queen again. What's that stuck in her hair? Pull it out quick. Mind, it'll be poison. Careful, careful. They wrapped a handkerchief around the comb and pulled it delicately out. And almost at once, Snow White sighed and opened her eyes. Oh, dwarves, I'm so stupid. She didn't look at all like she did before, and I thought it would be all right. They told her it would only be all right if she kept her wits about her and did as they told her. She mustn't open the door for anyone. The queen hurried back and threw off her disguise before standing in front of the magic mirror. She said, Mirror, mirror, on the wall, who in this land is fairest of all? The mirror answered, Your Majesty, you are still lovely, it's true, but as soon as you'd gone, the good dwarves arrived home, and with care and with caution, they took out the comb. Snow White is alive and far lovelier than you. 
that made the queen stagger and clutch at the wall. The blood drained out of her face, leaving it a dirty white with patches of yellow and green. She drew herself up to her full height, and sparks flew out of her eyes. Snow White shall die, she cried. She went into her most private room and locked the door behind her. No one was allowed in there, not even the servants. Then with the help of a book of spells and several little dark bottles, she set about making a poisoned apple. It was white on one side and rosy red on the other. Anyone who saw it would want to take a bite. But if they did, even just the tiniest nibble, they would fall down dead at once. Then the queen disguised herself a third time, put the apple in her pocket, and set off for the dwarf's cottage. She knocked on the door, and Snow White looked out of the window. I can't let anyone in, she said. I'm not allowed. That's all right, my dear, said the queen, who looked like an old peasant. I just wondered if you'd like an apple. I've had such a crop this year, I don't know what to do with them all. No, I'm not supposed to take anything, said Snow White. Oh, what a pity, said the old woman. They taste so good, too. Look, I'll take a bite, just in case you're worried. She had made the apple so cunningly that only the red half was poisoned. Of course, she took a bite from the white half and then held it out to Snow White. It looked so delicious that the poor girl couldn't resist. She reached out through the window, took the apple, and bit deeply into the red part. And she'd hardly bitten off a piece when she fell to the floor, dead. The wicked queen leaned in and saw her lying on the floor, and she laughed with a loud laugh. White as snow, red as blood, black as ebony, and now dead as a doornail. Those dwarves won't wake you up this time. When she got up through her boudoir, she asked the mirror, 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 on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? And the mirror answered, Your Majesty, you are the fairest of all. She sighed a deep and happy sigh of satisfaction. If an envious heart can be at rest, hers was then. When the dwarves came home that evening, they found Snow White on the floor, stark and still. She wasn't breathing. Her eyes were closed. She wasn't moving at all. She was dead. They looked around for whatever might have killed her and found nothing. They unfastened her laces in case she couldn't breathe. They looked through her hair for a poison comb. They warmed her by the fire. 
They put a drop of brandy on her lips. They laid her on a bed and they set her up in a chair. But nothing helped. Then it struck home to them that she must really be dead. And they laid her out gently on a bier and sat beside her, weeping for three days. They'd intended to bury her, but she still looked so fresh and beautiful, just as if she was only sleeping, that they couldn't bring themselves to put her under the black earth. So, they had a glass coffin made and laid her inside. With letters of gold they wrote, Princess Snow White on it, and they carried it up to a mountaintop. From then on, one of the dwarves stayed beside her all the time. They took in turns to watch over her, and the birds came and mourned for her as well. First an owl, then a raven, and finally a dove. And so things remained for a long, long time. The body of Snow White did not decay, for she still looked as white as snow, as red as blood, and as black as ebony. One day a prince happened to be hunting in the forest and came to the dwarf's house and asked for shelter for the night. Next morning he saw the sunlight glitter on the mountaintop went to see what was there. He found the glass coffin. He read the golden inscription and he saw the body of Snow White. He said to the dwarves, let me take the coffin away with me. I'll pay you as much as you want. We don't want money, they said. We wouldn't sell that coffin for all the money in the world. Then please give it to me, he begged. I've fallen in love with Princess Snow White and I can't live without being able to see her. I'll treat her with all the honor and respect I'd feel for a living princess. The doors went away a little and spoke together quietly. Then they came back and said they'd taken pity on him and they were sure he'd treat their dear Snow White properly so he could take her back to his kingdom. The prince thanked them and told his servants to pick up the coffin with great care and carry it along with him. But as they were going down the mountainside, one of the servants tripped and stumbled and shook the coffin and that dislodged the piece of apple from Snow White's throat for she had never quite swallowed it. And slowly she woke up, and then she pushed open the lid of the coffin and sat up, fully alive once more. Dear God, where am I, she said. The prince said joyfully, You're with me. He told her everything that had happened, and then said, I love you more than anything else in the world. Come with me to my father's castle and become my wife. 
Snow White loved him at once, and their wedding was arranged with great splendor and magnificence. Among the guests invited to the ceremony was Snow White's wicked stepmother. After putting on the most beautiful of her dresses, she stood in front of the magic mirror and said, Mirror, mirror, on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? And the mirror answered, Your Majesty, you are still lovely, it's true, but the young queen's a thousand times fairer than you. The queen gasped with horror. She was so frightened, so terrified that she didn't know what to do. She didn't want to go to the wedding, and she didn't want to stay away, and yet she felt she had to go and see the young queen. So in the end, she went. And when she saw Snow White, she recognized her at once and was struck with horror. She could only stand there trembling but a pair of iron shoes had already been placed in the fire. When they were red hot, they were brought out with tongs and placed on the floor, and the wicked queen was made to step into them and dance till she fell down dead. Thanks for listening to Sleepy. Good night.